0: This is Strange Assembly, episode 89. The Mayans were wrong. Incredible. Well, one of the board games we're going to talk about today is Zulka and the Mayan Calendar. Wasn't that the, the game from Jumanji? No.
1: Oh. I-, I was worried it was going to be 3012.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> No. No, not 3012. But also, the Mayans weren't really wrong. The Mayans didn't actually predict the end of the world in 2012. It just, like, got in people's heads that that's what the Mayans had predicted, and it became this giant thing.
2: Well, you know, the Mayans predicted that the world would end in 2012 the same way every calendar manufacturer predicts the world will end on December 31st.
0: Yes. <laughs> that's basically correct. Yep. <laughs> so, yes this is strange assembly your tabletop gaming podcast today we are going to just be talking about some board games that we have all played or at least well that some quantity of us yes we have, yes that some portion of us greater than zero probably what? at least one has played <laughs> recently and one of those will be that that I have played will be uh, Zolkin. I am Chris Stevenson. Also, here with me is Mike Cook. Hey. And Jay Earl. Hey. So, I will go ahead and kick it off with Zulkin, the Mayan calendar, which. Did it grant your wish to make you big? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it.
1: Zulkin was the name of the machine in Big, the Tom Hanks Zoltan, movie. yes. Oh. oh, Zoltan, yeah, Zoltan. <sighs>
0: Uh no no but and this one did come out in 2012 of course right it basically had its its release date pre-designed for it it was released at the end of the year I think it first really showed up at Essen and it actually did show up in the U.S. before the end of of 2012 unlike I seem to hear it a lot in the same breath as Terra Mystica which also was around at the end of last year but not really in the United States so. I think that may have, that one may have finally gotten over here, but uh, Zulkin is by uh, Simone Luciani and Danielle Tassini. It is a worker placement Euro game, so, right, you're gonna be putting your guys on a board in different spots, and then you're gonna collect resources, and then turn all that into victory points, right? So that's your basic thing. Now, probably the most visually distinguishing thing about Zulkin is that it's got a bunch of gears built into the board. So there is one central gear that rotates as the game goes on, and then there are four gears attached to its periphery, and so when you rotate the central gear, it will rotate these exterior gears. And, and,
2: and eventually it catches the mouse in the
0: trap? No. Uh, there is no mouse that I noticed. So on your turn, you basically get to either put workers down or pick workers up. Uh, When you put workers down, nothing happens. What happens is you get the actions when you, you pick the workers up. So when you are putting your workers down, you are putting them on the spots on the gear that are sort of closest to that on the outer gears that are closest to that central gear. And then the longer that they ride the gear. The better the action is when you finally pick them up. So, on very basic things, you can, you know, just put them down and pick them up and put them down and pick them up. If you're just alternating turns, and you may or may not be able to get the really good expand like the good actions because you know you're obviously right. You're never if you put it in right at the beginning of the gear, you're never going to get very high. But if other people have filled up the gear, now it's more expensive for you to place on that gear. But you start. At the next open spot so depending on what the order like the turn order is and where other peoples are you may end up being able to drop your guy right up at the awesome high value spot or somebody may go right before you pick up one of their guy that's on a low spot and now you have to fill that in before you can put your guy down so you've got one gear that's producing food and and you know lumber and then you've got the next gear that's producing fancier resources including these Crystal Skulls. The third gear is about building buildings and advancing on a little technology track that makes your other actions better. There's a fourth gear that did a bunch of weird stuff that I'm actually forgetting right now. There's actually a fifth gear around the outside, which is where you trade in those Crystal Skulls directly for victory points. So you get victory points there. You get victory points from advancing your guys up these temples which you, you know, four times a, a game, you have to feed your workers, and... To what? You just have to feed them. I don't know. But it's, it's got a... <laughs> I liked it. I thought that it was distinctive and, and different enough that it... that the mechanics worked well, it it caught my attention, not that the theme was fantastic or something, but, like, sometimes for me, with depending on you know what the theme is and how the mechanics and that work together you know you can sit down with a euro game and it can be very and i just can get bored like i got like village had a really clever mechanic with its uh with with your generational stuff the time would go around and your your workers would die and then you had to breed new ones uh new generations of workers but once you got into the actual gameplay, it was just so dry that I could not get excited about playing it. But I like Zulkin. So the the gear thing is cool. The the differences in you know picking the guys up it, it is cool, and it it seems to work well, well enough balance wise. I know I when I sat down with people who had played before, they sort of thought that oh maybe it wasn't that balanced because you had to go. For the the temple where you could trade in your crystal skulls, or you couldn't possibly win. And then I won without ever assigning a single worker to that cog. So I think there's definitely different places to go, and you have to react to what other players are, are doing. So if you like that style of game, I do think that Zulkin is is worth checking out. Jay,
2: I recently replayed with a bunch of friends of mine. Elder Sign. Which is produced by Fantasy Flight Games. According to the rulebook I'm looking at here, the game designers were Richard Lonuyas and Kevin Wilson. I probably mispronounced both of those.
0: Richard Lonious.
2: Lonious. Kevin Wilson's right. Are you sure? We can check. Yeah. Yep. But so this is one of a, a number of games that I've picked up because I saw them on tabletop and I follow the Will Wheaton. It, it looked like fun. It, it is a fun game. It's not. The deepest strategy game. So it's a cooperative game. You're all playing investigators at Miskatonic Museum. One of the Elder Gods is going to break out, and you need to collect enough Elder Signs to stop them. You do this by taking turns, going around, investigating various things that have happened in the museum. And to determine how your investigations go, you roll a series of dice that will come up with different signs to determine whether you succeed or fail at any given mission. And if you don't manage to get enough signs before Cthulhu or Gogsatoth or whoever breaks out, they come and eat you.
0: Yes, and by investigating, you mean play Yahtzee, right?
2: Yeah, it's slightly more complicated than that, but yes. <laughs> it's slightly more complicated than that, yes. But, but yes, generally you... You're rolling dice looking for specific combinations of symbols, and if you don't get them, you get rid of one of the die and re-roll the rest, and you keep doing that until you either succeed or fail. And maybe you go crazy.
1: Well, and there's a lot of complications, too. Like, uh, some things, look, uh, some of the missions will come out and lock dice, so you can't use them. Um, you can spend cards to add yellow or red dice, which are technically better than the green dice in most cases.
0: Yeah, well, and, and this has had a little bit of a weird development cycle in that it it came out as a board game, and then there was a digital board game version of it, which is not unusual at all now. But the digital version, Elder Signs Omens, I think did much better than the board game did. So they st- it seemed like they started making additional content for the app like expansions for yeah. the app and then have only now just gone back and i think are releasing or have released one of those
1: the, they're going to release shortly nope that they're they are not the same oh, the, the, uh, the, the stuff that's releasing or at least what they've shown so far is actually different from what they've put on the app the stuff that they've put on the app is things like because you used to only have the one old guy because it, 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 it's not quite uh what jay said was not quite accurate just because you get to the end and then you have to fight the old one and uh you just basically take turns until the old one kills you because i don't know if you actually can theoretically really fight the old one because they're so tough
2: no they're the old ones yes
1: yeah but but there is one old one that has the longest track in the game, Doom track in the game, before it comes out. But once it comes out, it's game over. And it used to be the app that was the only one that you got. Then they added a free content batch where they gave you another one and a mission form. And then they added one where you actually had stages, where you actually had to prepare to go to the Atlantic to find Cthulhu, and then you had to go find runes to unlock stuff. I think they did a really, really good job with that. Uh... With the content with the app, but also this new, bigger, the big box that they're doing actually has even more stuff than the app doesn't do. Like, during your turd, you can go to one of, like, three three or four different uh, spaces instead of going to a mission. Like, you can go to Lost and Found, or you can pay uh, trophies to heal up and whatnot. Uh Now they actually have different cards that you can go to instead of it just being the one thing and you choose where you go. So now they'll actually shut down like permanently, and there's some actual addition, and there's a new mechanic called cursed and blessed, which just add a die or subtract a die, and they cancel each other out. So it's really weird because it's they're still not doing what they did in the app's content, but they're doing stuff that the app didn't have either. So yeah,
0: yeah, I uh I don't know if I can play that expansion, Mike, because I demand historical authenticity from my games, and anyone knows that Cthulhu is under the Pacific Ocean, not the Atlantic Oh, uh, whatever. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> uh,
2: it, it's Cthulhu. I think he can handle being under both. He <laughs> probably is. What did the uh, fan fiction say? Also above, behind, and to the left <laughs> of both of those
0: oceans. Uh, wait, I've read that book. They have that, that's a children's book. That's like 1,700 different children's books. This is one of the joys that you will learn if you have a kid, is that they have books where the entire purpose of the book is relational words. Right. So you could have that, like Cthulhu is under the ocean. Cthulhu is above the, yeah.
2: Where's Cthulhu, kids? Now's the time where, what's that, kids? I can't hear you. Keep yelling at the television.
0: (laughs) Another game that I have played recently was the Batman Gotham City strategy game. It is designed by Paolo Mori and published by WizKids. In this game, you are playing a you're a villain. Clicks, I guess. You're, you're, well, you're playing one of the, you're playing one of the Batman villains. There are four choices, and they are actual clicks compatible. Like it comes with. Stat cards, if you want to use the figures to go play hero clicks, hilarious. So, uh, well, I think that's cool. I, I mean, that's no use to me because I don't do that. But so
1: do the Star Wars ships.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, Star Wars tactics are they about the?
1: Well, no, no t- t- tactics. They don't. But there's a Star. There's a separate. Sorry, uh, Star Trek clicks, and those are okay. compatible with the superheroes.
0: <laughs> so you could have the Enterprise versus Superman.
1: As are the Bioshock Infinite clicks that are coming out. You, okay. you would think Magneto would just win against uh, any starship.
0: Well, luckily... Yeah, basically. That's not usually how games work. But, no, Ma- Magneto suffocates, okay? <laughs> he just suffocates in space. His helmet is anti-telepathy. It does not let you breathe. In the Gotham City strategy game, you are playing one of the supervillains, you know, your penguin or your Two-Face or your... I think Killer Croc and Joker are the four. Poor Riddler got shoved out for Killer Croc. And you are trying to build up your criminal empire and, and dominate Gotham City. And then there's a bat- Batman click that can hop around the city and, and try to whack. And so you can try to do things to direct Batman at your enemies. And there's a couple of win conditions, but it seems like the basic one was that you are trying to, to level up. And, and once you hit level 10, then you win the game you have like three basic currencies you have information and money and threats and you put threat on the board to control spaces and then you can use information to move around you can use money to do a variety of things and you level up by you have to successively in order like you have to control so many spaces or and then you have to pay so much information and then the next level you have to pay so much money and then the level after that you have to control so many henchmen, which cost money to buy and then every couple of times you level up you get to choose one of your power cards and put that into play in front of you and you get it it's an interesting theme I like Batman the game I don't know it played okay it's got some nice things like the attacker wins ties in a fight to encourage you to go fight and it doesn't cripple you for losing a fight normally but it it was a little dry for what the theme is, and did the game definitely can get to a, a runaway leader problem. You could sit there a game at one point and be like, well, Penguin's at level 5 at this point, but I can see that there's no possible way for him to lose the game now because of the combination of power cards that he has. So, hmm... It just didn't seem to be, like, the really the ways that you can go after somebody are to directly attack them yourself and, or to try to get Batman to go after them, which you don't have a lot of control over, but once they've got, like, Penguin had a combination of cards where, like, every time you win a fight, you get to steal stuff from the other guy, and then he has another card that lets him just run away from fights, so it made it very difficult to try to take him down once he got in the lead I, I don't know so that was it wasn't bad but it's I, I i mean it didn't leave me wanting to get back in there and and play it again mike
1: so i actually had a um, a family gathering uh, i have some i guess i would call them extended family just some uh, other families that i grew up with and we had a a, a get together so Like, I typically like strategy-heavy games, and the stuff that's lighter, like apples to apples, I I can't really stand. So, I was actually pretty happy that uh, King of Tokyo, both with being able to accommodate six people, and the fact that it's relatively simple to understand, was people seem to like it pretty well. Basically, you choose one of six monsters, every turn you roll five dice, no, six dice, sorry, you roll six dice, and... They have six different faces, there's six-sided dice, there's a one, a two, a three, a heart, a lightning bolt, and a paw print. You have ten health, and the, vict- the point is to get to twenty victory points. When you roll the dice, you can re-roll any dice that you want for a total of three times. So you can re-roll all of them three times, you can keep hold on to two, re-roll four, and then you might re-roll two, and the two that you held before and hold a different two, it- whichever you want. You roll it three times until you get what you have at the end of the third roll. Any triples uh, for a number of one, two, or three, you wait, get wait, that
0: many Stop for a second, Mike. Have you mentioned that you're a giant monster trying to take over Tokyo yet? No. Yeah, okay. so that, that you're trying, a big... giant monster trying to take over Tokyo, and so are each of the other players. <laughs> yeah, so, no, no, that's, yeah, I guess uh, that is a fairly <laughs> that's important <not>
2: point. <laughs> need to hear about all sides of the dice. So, so when
0: on. you are rolling the dice, you're you're either outside Tokyo or inside Tokyo, and right. And when you're rolling the dice, yeah, you're you're trying to heal up. If you get a hit, then you knock somebody out of Tokyo and you go into Tokyo where you can now inflict right. damage on everyone, but you can't heal.
1: Right, right. So, so your monster. The, the main crux of the game is actually a, um, it's a risk management game, really, because basically, Yeah, like uh, like Chris said, uh, if you roll damage, you if there's nobody in Tokyo, you go into Tokyo. Anytime anybody else rolls damage who's not in Tokyo, it does damage to whoever's in Tokyo. Whoever's in Tokyo, whenever they roll damage, it does damage to everybody who's not in Tokyo. And the two win- plays that you can play win the game are, you get 20 victory points, or you are the last monster standing. So really, uh, because you, you get a victory point for going into Tokyo, and you get two victory points for starting your turn in Tokyo, the idea is that you want to stay in there as long as you can, because... Potentially, uh, you'd be able to either knock everybody else out or just get a whole bunch of victory points. But you're going to be taking damage anytime anybody else rolls any damage, and the hearts give you he- heal you. But you can't use the hearts while you're actually in Tokyo. Now, anytime you have to take damage while you're in Tokyo, you can yield Tokyo. So you still take the damage, but you go out of Tokyo. Whoever did damage to you has to go into Tokyo, and they get a victory point for doing that. But it makes it pretty interesting, because you can strategically make somebody come into Tokyo. You may not actually want to do damage, because you may not want to actually be in Tokyo. Uh, I I generally like the game. Um, I think it it was a good bit of fun. The one thing I would say is that we played it with six players. So normally, for for one to four people, there's only Tokyo. For five or six players, there's two. There's Tokyo and Tokyo Bay. But the problem was the first game we played, I went into Tokyo and I tried to last the entire time and you know, it was just basically not possible. And I got knocked a couple out a couple of rounds later just because I, I couldn't like I got hit so hard and then I got unlucky with my dice and I
0: would agree that it's generally not possible to stay in Tokyo the whole game. That's just not gonna happen.
1: Well, yeah, no, not the whole game, but you you know, you might want to stay in for a round and then maybe the next round go out.
0: But with six
1: <laughs> With six people, it's just not possible. Like, you can't go five turns taking every single... If everybody just rolls one, that's half your life right there, if they just roll one damage. And when five uh, five or six people, if you're in Tokyo, if there's nobody in Tokyo Bay, if they roll damage, they do damage to you and get a victory point for going into Tokyo Bay. Or they just get the victory point for going to Tokyo if you get out. So... You take all of the damage, so unless you've got a whole bunch, there are cards that you can buy, the energy that you get. There are three random upgrades out of a big stack of upgrades. I I liked, uh, there are discards that are one-shot effects, and there are ones that you can actually keep. The one thing I would say is it felt like the game would be a little bit better if, I, I liked it generally, but I feel like the game would be better if it was more reliable to actually get those upgrades but because the energy is one side of a six-sided die it was relatively hard to get energy and even if the cards are low-costed it was pretty easy to just not get very much energy and then those cards don't get purchased and you can you can sweep the cards for two energy but two energy ends up being kind of a lot so i kind of wish energy was a little bit easier to get like you could turn one of your numbers into an energy every turn or something like that but other than that, it, it was a pretty enjoyable game. I, I liked it. Everybody liked it. And the next game we played, everybody just, they, like, smack somebody, that person yielded to Tokyo. Smack somebody, that person yielded to Tokyo. So, like, it was just a constant rotation in and out of Tokyo. And I ended up winning by getting to 20 points.
0: In addition to being in Tokyo, right, if you roll the, right, if you roll the numbers on the cards, you can just get victory points. Right. Sorry, on the roll, the numbers on the dice, but yeah if, yeah, if you
1: roll three threes or three twos, you get that many, like three points for three threes. Yeah,
0: and and I think uh, King of Tokyo has done really well. Yeah, it actually is a game I think that you can play with with family. I mean, I if you look on our website, you see I link to like the the Dice Tower Awards, which are so much better than the Origins Awards <laughs> as far as selecting good games, but they have stuff like. Lords of Waterdeep as a family game. Like I'd probably vote Lords of Waterdeep as the game of the year. Yeah, but that is not something that I'm that's gonna have a lot of success getting out with uh family. I might they might be able to play it I, some, but but King of Tokyo I think is something that will go go really well with uh for a family game.
1: And, and I've heard that they've they've already got expansions like Power Level or something like that, and I've heard that actually makes the game a lot better.
0: I think Power Up is the name of the expansion. It's out now. I think Power Up introduces a new monster, but it actually yeah. m- makes it matter who your monsters were because they had made the decision. And they, they and this is and uh, King of Tokyo is a Richard Garfield game. Yep. And so he's the one who did the original design on on Netrunner and Magic. For those who don't know, and also Robo Rally and a bunch of other games. Uh, yes, yeah, but those are the I think. The main ones. Probably the, the most well known. But yeah, they made the decision like that the monsters don't matter, that they want it. like it doesn't matter who you are. Like you can be the King Kong looking guy or the Godzilla looking guy, it doesn't matter. And I think that there's some there are monster specific things introduced in, in power up, but I have not had the the opportunity to play that
1: and, and i and i had enough fun with it i mean i think i feel like there's enough strategy because it's basically king of the hill that's why it's called king of the tokyo yeah um i i had enough fun with it that i'll probably go ahead and invest in that expansion because uh if nothing else i i uh had a good time with more like medium level game more gamers not like very you know not uh people that I see of my family or whatever, P- people who are kind of family, but not really into board games, but enough to try stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I know another new game that I have picked up, re- well, One that I've picked up, but that I've had the opportunity to play recently is Suburbia. That was a, a 2012 game from Ted Alsbach, published by Bézier Games. And this is another euro game in that it is a there's no player elimination and your primary means of interacting is is taking opportunities away from people in suburbia each of the players has their own city and it starts out with a couple of basic things like here's a little residential block and here's a park and then here's one other thing and you have these hexes and over the course of the game you're going to be generating you have money generation and you have population growth and you use money to do stuff during the course of the game and then at the end of the game population is victory points there's a couple of bonuses but the main thing is how big your population is and so over the course of the game you have to acquire different hexes from the center of the board and and like as often and like you sometimes see in these games you have ones down at the end are cheap, and every turn you have to like you have to do something that goes through one of them. So when a tile first comes in, it comes down, and the you have to really pay extra for this. So if a tile is really good, somebody might be willing to pay a bunch extra to snatch it. And then if a tile isn't as good for whatever its cost is, they all have an inherent cost in addition to the the bonus cost. Then it'll you know go down to the end where all you just have to do is pay the the base price for it but uh there's a lot of of combos you can go for you have to be you have to pay attention to how you're laying your hex tiles down certain ones give you a different bonuses like if you if you build a heavy factory put down a heavy factory tile next to residential tiles that reduces your population growth and you can actually send your population into into decline and you have to make sure not to grow your population too fast because there's some there's basically throttling in the victory point track. Whereas every time you pass certain spots on the track, your overall population has gone up, then your income and population growth growth get knocked back down. So at the end of your turn, whatever if your income is eight and your population growth is six, then at the end of your turn you'll get eight coins and your You go up six victory points on the track. And you do interact with the other people's boards because you can play tiles that care what other people have. There are tiles that you just get points for every residential building out there. Like if you have a school, you can just get, like, that makes you want residentials. If you have an airport, the more airports that are out, the better all the airports are. So you can actually boost the other guy's stuff by buying an airport. Or the fancy restaurant gets worse and worse as people build other restaurants. So it's only the latest and greatest one that's worth the best. So you can, you can use those to reduce other people's categories. I, like Zulkin, I, I thought this one was, was pretty good. I liked it. I would definitely want to play it again. Obviously, as a, you know, straight up Euro, it's not going to be for somebody who is looking for aggressive bloodthirstiness in their, their games, but if that sort of game uh, appeals to you, then I think that Suburbia is definitely worth playing. Jay?
2: So, I like to think of Descent as if you took D&D and got... Uh, you, you know that DM who was always kind of a jerk because he treated it as him versus all the players and didn't realize D&D is supposed to be a cooperative game?
0: I totally know that guy.
2: Yes, he, His uh, name is Chris. I mean... you you guys have met me, yes I'm speaking to the audience, not all of the audience knows me so, uh, take a game where you let the DM be an evil jerk and pit him against the players and the, the story is set for you, it's relative, I mean, there is some story, but it's mostly just you guys need to go kill these things and pick up that thing and do these other things, so I mean, you could just play it as little standalone things. There's also a campaign mode where in the campaign there's uh, like six or eight Act 1 missions. No, I take the back. There must be five because after you do three of them, you do the interlude. And then you go into Act 2 where then- you do another set of missions. And the missions available in Act 2 are based on who won the missions you did in Act 1 and then based on how you do act 2 you then do the finale in the campaign mode after each mission based on who wins you get experience points and so both sides can get more powerful and then also the jump from act 1 to act 2 the dm the overlord gets significantly more powerful monsters but i mean that's that's the basic of the game is it's a minis tile game so you you do a mission but the mission says, here's what the board looks out. You pull out a bunch of pre-generated tiles, put fit them together to make the board. Most of them are in two phases. The first one, the win or loss of it, will affect something in the second one. Like, if the first mission is the Overlord is trying to uh, burn down this town and kill all the peasants in it, then... If you stop him from doing that in the second one, you get more. You get some of the townspeople to come help you. Or if he succeeds,
1: you don't have any townspeople to come help you, and so the next one is going to be harder. And th- this is a, a re-release of an old of Descent. The exact right. name. It's
2: the second yes, edition. Yes,
0: this, this is the second edition. Descent 2.0. Which-
1: And having played quite a bit of the the first one, I've got to say that a lot of the changes they made were really good. They streamlined a lot of stuff. So if you've played the first one, it's definitely worth playing the second one. They they got rid of a lot of the problems. Um, Spawning monsters used to be a problem, and they've gotten rid of most of that now. Um. They've also the older game. Basically, you you had conquest tokens, and the players lost when they ran out of conquest tokens, and they lost conquest tokens every time one of their characters died. So the DM's job was just to kill the players, which was incredibly frustrating because it would either be impossible once they got the right gear, or way too easy and very frustrating for the players. In this game, the DM, like uh, like Jay was saying, is trying to get an objective, so you don't have to actually have to right, kill sure. anybody. Very rarely do you actually need to kill the players. You'll get a benefit if
2: you do, but, I mean, I had had many missions where, uh, because I played the DM when we did our campaign, I had many missions where I would totally let the PCs
1: live as long as I got my objective off. Right. Yeah, uh, that's what I thought was very smart, is that uh, it was a much better balance of, you know, you really don't want the player characters to die all the time, but they do need to have a challenge. So not letting letting them be still pretty tough, but letting them get tied up, uh, and them having to realize that they're getting tied up, it, it's a pretty elegant solution to the problem the old game had. Because the old right. game could just get to be a big slog, because they'd be invulnerable, and but they'd take forever, and then you'd just be spawning monster after monster after monster, and they would just slaughter them. So it wasn't fun for anybody. This one, yeah, it, it, like the the, dy- the dynamic campaign is, is quite good, I thought. It makes it more interesting. Kind of a t- choose-your-own-adventure depending on how you do.
2: Right. The only problem with the campaign is you're playing a whole bunch of missions in a row, so you get locked in, which leads to like the healer on the hero party sort of realized about halfway through that he didn't really like his character, but it, he was sort of locked in at that point. Yeah, Whereas if you just do it as a series of one-offs, it's much easier to be like, okay, I'm sick of this guy. I'm playing this new one.
1: Well, uh, you could always just say, okay, well, you've spent X experience points. Uh, if you want to swap right. out for something equal, you can do that too.
2: Right. I mean, you can always house roll, house rule, and re-roll your character. But I mean, there's no native way to do that. No. I mean, it, it's pretty simple.
0: How many points you spent? Yeah. One our last game today will be city of remnants which uh also jo- which just came out this year uh, designed by colby doc and isaac vega at plaid hat games thematically city of remnant the city of remnants is a prison city work camp where these aliens called the guy have taken all the people that they conquered and kind of just Thrown the slave population down on this city and each of the players represents a gang in the city that is going to be fighting with the other gangs for control of, of the scraps basically that you're, you're fighting over or the remnants uh, as it were. Now, this game has a, a lot of mechanics crammed into it. It's got a little bit of auction, it's got a little bit of deck building, it's got a little bit of resource management, it's got combat, so so you have a a deck of cards. You start out with about 12 cards in your deck, and each of the factions has its own unique deck and is a little bit better at something. The The blue faction, I'm sure they had names, but I don't remember what they are. Uh, The Smurfs. Yeah. The blue faction was better at getting buildings. The yellow faction was better at recruiting more gang members. The Red faction was better at fighting, and the green faction was better at money. On each turn, each player gets four actions, and you take turns taking actions. You can build a new building. You can try to recruit a gang member off of a set of, like a a new set of four comes up every turn, and then they get swept at the end, and that's an auction. And if you successfully recruit a gang member, then you get to... Take one of your unused figs, and they've got pretty good figs, and a variety of them for each faction. There's no difference between what the different sculpts look like, but, you know, you've got four different sculpts for each faction. And you get to take one of those figs and put them in your reserve, and then you get to add the card that you just bid on to your deck. And, uh, then later on, you can move your gangers out, possibly into combat. And so that's where you start with a certain number of figures and it's important to get more figures so you can repopulate them as they die you can also do a traditional euro sort of produce sell whereas once you've built a building and then you've moved guys into the building then you control it and some of the buildings will produce goods and then later on you can sell them you also can get victory points at the end of the turn if you control buildings and certain sections, mostly near the center of the map, you can get uh, victory points for. The combat mechanic was also very distinctive. Each of the the gang member cards has a certain combat value in the side, which may depend, which may vary depending on what faction you are. For the guys you're buying out of the middle, and you have to play those from hand, or you can play them off of the top of your deck, but you go through your deck very quickly because your deck does not automatically replenish. And every time you lose one of your gang members, you have to remove from the game one of the gang member cards that you used in that combat. So, you can, for example, by the time you're done with the game, have only six cards in your entire deck. And thus, you basically get to do one round of a fight and then you're out of the, you just get mauled. More on that later. You can also buy some random other cards to add into your deck out of off of the, the black market. At the end of each turn you there's some random rolling and the U-Guy, their, their police come down into random spots on the board where you have to either bribe, if they show up on your spot, you have to either bribe them or fight them, or if you later try to move into a territory where they are, and then if you defeat them, then something else random happens. You might lose money you might get money you might have more guys spawn so uh there's a lot going on there and there's a lot that i think a lot of people like in there but i have to admit that i did not enjoy playing this at all and i'm not sure how much of it is that is structural about the game and how much of it is that i just feel like it's been a while since i have really played games that were just asymmetric multiplayer smash fests i've decided that i don't like games where you have the option of fighting and one of the faction's powers is i'm good at fighting because i know that i really don't particularly like chaos in the old world either and i feel that that's part of the problem because i felt like when i was playing this i could not win a fight against the the, the red faction Unless I got lucky. So, like, I built buildings, and then I just got smashed, and they got taken away from me. And then because I was losing fights, my deck got shredded, which just meant that I could do less and less and less. And so it was frustrating because I couldn't do anything to really defend myself meaningfully. And then it was also frustrating because the person that the fighter deck, that the fighting faction left alone just won. The money guy was just doing the exact same strategy I was, but his deck was better at it because all that my deck did was money. I just got discounts, but my own money only applied in certain situations. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's always bad when they make a multi-path to victory game and then make it so that one path is significantly better than the others and then make it so that one faction is significantly better at that path than the others. Well, I, I always felt
1: like corn was just ridiculously overpowered in uh, chaos in the old world. Like it was just really easy for them to win, unless everybody uh, made a concerted effort to not make, let them win.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. No, in, in chaos in the old, and it's not like the the fighting faction. It's not like the fighting faction won. So it's not like it's the same as chaos in the old world. But it was mm-hmm. just, it, it was just the fact that I I could not seemed to win. Like, it was possible to win the fights, but you had to get very lucky, and it was doubly important that you get lucky right at the beginning of a fight, because it was. it's a real limiting factor in the fights, that you start with 12 cards in your deck, and at the start of the game, you can use up to 4 cards per combat round, and there's going to be, at l- in most fights, there's going to be at least 2, possibly 3 combat rounds. There's gonna, it would go to the 3rd if you actually managed to win one of the rounds. But at least 2... So if you're really trying to win both of those fights, you just blown through your whole deck. And that leaves you really vulnerable. Or if you've actually played cards, you don't have the ability to fully participate in all the rounds, which, which is fine, right? That's a, a tactical decision you have to make when you go into a fight. One of the things that the, f- the red faction got was that in addition to being better at winning, they had you know a quarter or so of their deck of their starting deck was guys who if you won the fight then you put the card back in your hand instead of your discard pile which meant that if they won the first round of the fight then they were just going to keep on beating you in the later rounds because they could just every round of the fight they could go to the wall and just throw all these guys down knowing that they were just going to keep drawing them back into their hand and still have resources for the later rounds it it just i mean that that aspect of it was frustrating and but part of it right it wasn't really specific about the game it was just the whole when you have a game like this people have to be able to really recognize who's winning and then do something about it right or else you're just going to have and that's not The game just, I mean, like, that's an inherent feature of this genre, of this type of game that players just have to do something about. But, but, like, I found that frustrating and it made me think, like, I don't, it's been a long while since I, I mean, I used to play these kinds of games all the time, but I don't know how much anymore I play free for all stuff like this. Like, I play, I played a lot of Euro games, I play a lot of two player games. I've always liked stuff like team magic better than free for all. Right, where free for all it's like, oh, I'm the right the guy who wins, it's always the guy who pretends like everybody ignores because they he says he isn't doing anything and then he just pulls off his instant win combo or something. I'm not the droids you're looking for. So I, I don't know I, I mean, I think that there are some things about it that are parts of the game, and I think there are some things about it that I just I don't know how much I want to deal with that like other people who like this kind of game would just be like suck it up stevenson that's just how it works convince the other player better next time (laughs) i to go attack the other guy instead of you but i I don't know yeah i mean there was a lot going on with it the the guy were a little weird at the end they were often as much about right at the beginning, it's really bad if they land on you. As you develop a little bit more, it's not so much about them landing on you as much as it is about them forming little miniature walls to cut different players off from each other because the that whatever the spots that they land in, they occupy those for the next turn and then they get picked up and new ones come down. I don't know. So that was City of Remnants. Well, I think that that is it for... This little board mini bo- board game mini review episode of Strange Assembly. You can check out more of our stuff on our website, strangeassembly.com. When we do write written reviews, they also show up on Board Game Geek, and you can find the Strange Assembly reviews geek list there. You can also check us out on the usual social media suspects. Just look for Strange Assembly, it'll be us. Don't worry. I always do appreciate. Feedback, So you can post something on the website about this, or you can send me an email at chris at strangeassembly.com.
1: And we're on the Twitters.
0: Well, yes, I figured that was included in the general social. Yes, we are on Facebook. We're Strange Assembly on Facebook, and we're at Strange Assembly on Twitter, although the Twitter feed is mostly just telling you that the website has updated. So, (laughs) well... I gotta say, it's one of those things. Like, I'm, despite the fact that I, you know, have a podcast, basically, uh, I, I don't have a smartphone. And if you don't have that, you don't really get the sort of like random Twitter updates, like, oh, out playing out on Saturday, playing this game, got rolled by Anarch Deck. Walls, just kidding. Always beat Anarch Deck.
2: Noise will rock you. <laughs> uh,
0: or, or, or whatever. But uh, who knows? Maybe I'll get a phone from this century one of these days, and then there will actually be stuff on the tra- strange assembly Twitter feed. But for now, there's there's not a lot. but but you can follow us if you want to. I mean, because why not? Pretty soon we might have a hundredth Twitter follower. I, <laughs> I don't understand Twitter, I have to admit.
1: I, I'm also on, I'm also on Twitter as, at ML cook. There you go. And and hey, if we get our
2: 100th Twitter follower, the next one will be free. Oh, I'm sorry, M M
1: Lee L E E Cook. Well,
0: look at that! You don't even know your own Twitter handle. You're fine. Well, oh, no,
1: I actually tried M L Cook and it got to, it was taken. It turns out Mike Cook kind of hard to find. Some kind of variation hasn't been taken on that on Twitter.
0: Well, I think it's true for. I mean, yeah, any any name is your name even vaguely normal? Yes, yeah, someone already has it. Yeah. But 4 J Earl. And Mike Cook, or ML Cook, or Emily Cook, or whatever. Emily Cook,
2: Emily Cook. (laughs) Emily
0: Cook, what? I am Chris Stevenson, and you have been listening to Strange Assembly.
2: for talking.